0: And my supervisor came in. So this would have been, I think about 2015. Mm -hmm. And he came and he said, I'm really sorry I'm late. So I've been caught up in one of these executive, this is Sydney Uni, Steering committee meetings. I said, oh gosh, and he said, look, and so I've been told, I have to let you all know that we've been told that by, and I might get these years and percentages slightly wrong, but I say that full disclaimer, but it's the point. He said either by 2018 or 2019, Eighty—it was either eighty or ninety percent of the university's research objectives. Sorry, the, re, the university's research funding must be aligned with industry objectives. Funding must be aligned with industry objectives.
1: Five is how we all doing? If you're watching this, as you can see, we are outside uh, in a new location. We had to move from our old spot. And we've now uh, come into a new spot here, uh, just a bit outside of the city, a little bit. As you can see, Sydney's over there. Uh, Hopefully people can't see where I am, but yeah, we're we're out here, man. We had to move out of that spot because as some of you may know, the asphyxiated unit, um, we had about 50 police officers surround our place seize some of our equipment and we're we're winning in court, that's, that's the positive. So we've won a couple of uh, hearings, so uh, our bail has been lifted and we've been able to change a few other bails as well. So it's all good, but we needed to get out of that place. So this will be the last episode that you see with this particular aesthetic that's in the old studio and we're getting new equipment now to move into the new studio. If you're listening to this, uh, you're probably hearing a different microphone. It's, uh, we got the reporter's microphone out, the directional uh, outdoors reporting microphone. So maybe a little different for the intro, but we're here. I'm very excited about this next guest. Her name is Ross Nealon-Cook. She's a psychologist that put out a viral video recently which questioned lockdowns and mental health and the entire situation of this pandemic in Australia. The upper governing body of psychologists and medical professionals has called her up to the board after this video and this is why we didn't release it just yet. Now, her hearing has been done and I'm sad to announce that she has lost her license which is horrible, horrible. She was just voicing her opinion and the damage that all of this is causing for mental health in Australia. In this video we discuss her upbringing We discuss psychology versus psychiatry. We discuss her situation. We also discuss July 24th, the major Sydney protest that took place. It's a great episode. She's a great person. Please support her. Her email and details will be at the end of this episode. I'll also put her video that uh, went viral at the end of the episode as well. And now a word from our sponsor loanoptions.ai slash 58 loanoptions.ai slash 58 if you have a bunch of fines from all this time consolidate them, go to them they'll help you out you put in your details and you say how much you want say how much you'd like to pay and they system will give you all the lending options now they're not a normal lender that throws you away for some you know some third party they just give you some results and then throw you away. they'll help you through the entire loan process to make sure that you get the loan those guys are absolutely amazing i'm glad that i've partnered with a business that supports all people and that's very important in this day and age. So if you're looking for a car loan, if you're looking for a business loan, if you're looking to get a loan for a holiday or you've got a credit card that you feel you're paying too much interest on, they've saved people a lot of money. Loanoptions.ai f-i-v-e the number eight it's great to be here with you guys and as i said before this will be the last episode with this particular studio before we move into bigger and better things thank you guys so much for the support Leia. Listening to episode 81 of the 5 take. Australia's podcast. Don't forget Be Good, and tenure balls.
0: So why did I make that video? Why did I want to make that video? Yes. I didn't want to make that video. I wanted someone else to speak up. as the truth. Uh I live in a in an area that's we had the bushfires. Do you remember those? They seem like yes. a long time ago. I'm in a tourist area, I'm in the Blue Mountains. And we, I think, the first time we got the call to sort of pull the kids out of school was October. Mm-hmm. So I think two, that was, was that 2019. Yeah. So that was the start of that bushfire season. It went on, and anyone who's listening to this in New South Wales, I think there were fires around the country, but certainly New South Wales. It's like six months. It was this extraordinary bushfire season, and so we up here. It wasn't like the south coast where we lost hundreds of homes, but there were certainly many, many homes lost. Uh, but what, what the big thing that happened was that the, the whole tourism sort of collapsed, and, and that's the income of the whole economy.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. so that went on all the way through the summer holidays. <clears throat> and I don't know if you remember, we were all wearing those gas masks, weren't we? Not gas masks, those P24 or something or that. Mm. And then those fires were put out. I can't remember the exact dates, but it was before school went back, I believe, by these extraordinary. Storms, these rains, these massive rains. And up here, we had two of the biggest, well, I mean, there's many, but two enormous tourist attractions destroyed um, the Charles Darwin Walk and the Lura Cascades by these yeah. storms. It was just extraordinary. So, not only the fires, and then these storms came in. And so, the whole kind of community, and I mean, the, the South Coast, all these other parts who had the same thing, we could barely believe what was happening. And then someone starts talking about this thing called coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And I remember someone saying, oh, so all the, because those big cruise liners that come in, and we know what happened with the cruise liners, when they come into these ports, apparently there's like these these huge sort of schools of buses, these double-decker buses that meet them every time and, and you can choose one of four tours and they just go all around these places. So the Blue Mountains is one of the top ones. So we get these floods of these double-decker buses. They're everywhere. Bringing all these tourists off the cruise ships and suddenly they couldn't come anymore. So after having lost all the business over the summer, now that was gone. And I remember being so sort of upset on behalf of the community. I mean, it didn't affect my work, but saying, don't people realize, you know, you can't do this. We've been smashed. And now Mm -hmm. we're going to lose this tourism as well, because in my mind, I thought we were talking about, you know, swine flu. And I'm not saying swine flu wasn't bad or any of those other ones, but I had no idea. None of yeah. us had any idea, did we, what this no. coronavirus yeah. or COVID, I'm not sure what the correct terminology is these days, different people, call it different things, um, was going to mean for our community. And then before, I can't even remember when we went into lockdown last year. Do you, when did this, when did they, to March, April? Anyway. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah I, I, think I think it was it,
0: March, March time. It was March.
1: Yeah.
0: It was March. Okay. So here's the, here's the thing. I have a daughter who has a highly compromised immune system. Mm. We didn't know what it was. She's, she was having these unknown anaphylaxis and the doctors couldn't find the reason. And, and it was this really terrifying thing. Um, we've since found out it's mold, but that's at the time last right. year we didn't know. Yeah. So she's, yeah, it's quite a common thing, unfortunately. But anyway, so when at the time, at the start of coronavirus, they were saying, don't worry, this isn't a problem for anyone other than you know, the elderly and the immune compromised, mm-hmm. right? So I, after having spent, I suppose, five years at that time as this hypervigilant mother looking after this very sick child, micromanaging everything because we didn't know what was making her allergic. Yeah. When they said immune compromised, I was terrified. So I pulled her out of school before any child, before they closed the schools. I had her, we we, we had to go to shops and I said, we're going to do this huge shop. I had her wearing rubber gloves and the pee... The thingo mask, mm. the the P24 whatever we've been wearing during the fires, and I remember she was so embarrassed when we were walking around Woolies or wherever, and she said, like, "Mom, everyone's looking at us," and they were, because there we were, run, you know, running around um, with her in these gloves and this mask, because um, I was terrified yeah. for her. And then what happened? Then we started homeschooling. I, I have some friends that homeschooling's actually been a beautiful experience for. Uh, for those who are listening who have a very strong-willed child, it's that it wasn't so easy. Um, I have a lot of family and, and friends in London, and one of they were already homeschooling ahead of us. And I was sort of speaking to them saying, What can we do? This is this is destroying our relationship. And they were saying, No, no, we've now realized you're not trying to homeschool a full curriculum, just just bring it right down and focus on sort of relationship. And I think now we're two years into homeschooling. The schools know that and they've really you know, they're just doing the, the essentials.
2: Mm.
0: Anyway, so we did that. And then again, the timeline, it's so much has happened since then. I I spoke to her doctor, functional medicine doctor, and said, When can I get a vaccine? When's this vaccine going to be out? Because I wanted to get it vaccinated. And I was terrified. Yeah. So oh, that's gonna be, you know, a year at least. But she said to me, Look, don't worry. She said, actually, the stress of the, the what you're going through with the homeschooling, because I was saying to her, this is really not going well um and i know this I, I mean this is sort of how i got into functional medicine is that the, the stress actually is one of the worst things for the immune system yes yeah, yeah. whatever you do you want to be looking after your stress levels
1: 100
0: so she said i would send her back to school i would and so i you know the poor little thing went red raw with all of these hand sanitisery things and and um if i ever saw you know the way kids just I mean, we all do a bit. But if she, if ever I saw her nibbling a nail or something, I was like, oh, what are you doing?" Um, But she, she went back to school, and then of course, you know, homeschooling things started. Um, There were times because, interestingly, where we are, there's never really been any COVID up here. Um, Mm. It was a bit of this this lockdown. It was really frustrating. We were all going, "Why are we part of this? We're not part of Greater Sydney. There's not, there's none up here. Can't you put a fence on the Napier?" But they didn't. They were pulled in. We were pulled in. but, you know, because I'm an essential worker, she, she does go into school sometimes. And uh, sometimes she homeschools. We sort of had to get that balance right. But uh, certainly from my perspective, in terms of the children's mental health, school is absolutely where they should be. But
1: Did the doctors mention it was something to do with a diet that could fix uh, some of her immune issues or did they just prescribe oh, medicines? And look, and-
0: yeah, I mean, that, that sort of goes into different territory. So, so what we found out... Is she has something called MCAS. It stands for mast cell activation syndrome. Right. There's another one that's called CIRS, C I R S, but I can't remember. It's chronic inflammatory response syndrome. It's, 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 it's they're, they're different. And I don't have the medical knowledge to, yeah. to go into this, but essentially what had happened, I knew that both of the anaphylaxis had happened when she'd had sugar, gluten, and dairy.
1: Mm-hmm. However, she
0: wasn't allergic to any of those three. But, things right. it just happened to be the combination so the you know I, and i sought out the best anaphylactic expert in australia after the first one sort of said she didn't know um when it happened the second time and i i went absolutely lioness mother i'm going to find the best one and again he said but she's not showing up to any of these allergens what was really <clears throat> interesting for me was when i went down we went to westmead which you'll know the children's hospital yeah, yeah. and i'd i'd spent some time in westmead a few years ago doing some internships of you know great hospital um but when we went to the pediatric allergy unit there were there was you know the normal waiting room and there were trestle tables and and fold-up chairs stretching all the way around the corner because there are so many children now with allergies and well, it, it it's, it's like this tsunami of them that they they've had to put in all this temper. I mean it was quite shocking. So I really took my breath away. Anyway, they didn't find any anything. Um and I talked to him about stress and and I remember him saying, and he had and he closed his office door and I said, What about stress? Because we'd been through a huge um a huge amount at the time, but it doesn't just some big, you know, family illnesses and and some bereavement mm-hmm. um, and I'd yeah. been very stressed. And of course, children pick up on parent stress. Yeah. And yeah. and I said to him, look, I don't like saying this, but is there any chance, you know, my stress has probably affected this as well, haven't he? And he went, oh, and he went and shut the door. He went, and he said to me, and you know, it's a lovely guy. I'm not, he said something like, look, um, I can see you're a very smart woman, but the last thing we want to do is, you know, let parents know about stress because we don't to parent blame. And I said, I'm not parent blaming myself. Um, I'm just trying to be pragmatic. Yeah. Here yeah. Because parents are so stressed everywhere at the moment, and and the whole world is stressed. Yeah. And look at this tsunami of kids, we've we've got to surely do something. And I'm a psychologist, and can we but he he was really anxious about that. Um, but anyway, the thing with the mast cell, so so they absolutely said no for the sugar gluten dairy, but I kept seeing it. You know, we'd be at she had apple pie and ice cream with a friend and a whole face, and it just went whew you know, sort of blew up. And it was like, no, it's definitely, I feel like I'm going mad because the doctors don't believe me. Mm. Um, I think they thought I was kind of Munchenhausen by proxy. Um, Mm. Thankfully, I had had one of the photos of her in the ambulance all totally blown up. Mm. Um, But anyway, the thing with this, I've since spoken to functional medicine doctors, and that's why I've gone and trained in functional medicine myself, who say, oh, no, no, this is absolutely what's happening. Because sugar gluten and dairy are the... Very highly inflammatory foods. Yes. And when you have MCAS or SERS, what happens is is the body it's 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 sort of pre-autoimmune. It's, it's basically scanning for threat. And what it does, I, and again, I don't have this quite right, and I'm, apologies to any doctors who say I've got this a bit wrong. But essentially, you can't keep having the same thing too many times. So so we ended up paying for it, well, my mum did. Thank you, thank you, mum. Mm-hmm. Paid because they're very expensive. This huge amount of functional medicine tests. Yeah. Um to look further into the allergies and they go through all these food panels, have to go off the US, et cetera. And they came back. And I remember I almost literally fell to my knees when I read them um, in, in, in horror, because her, the highest sensitivities and allergies that she had were to things like broccoli, blueberries, garlic, almonds, just the, the, the superfoods and all the stuff we were living on because I was trying to do everything to make sure she was living the healthiest, yeah, healthy, possible diet.
1: Yeah, but
0: thankfully, the doctor said, "No, no, no. This is what happens. Right? The the, the system, you can't have too much. You do, you have to rotate, right? You don't have to rotate because her system is so absolutely uh, stressed, mm. and because of the mold which we didn't know about, um, it is it, it's sort of reacting to everything. So." You know, I went through this process of I even tested for mold. That's a, it's another story that's not relevant. But after that came up negative, which it shouldn't have, shouldn't have. I then went through everything. I was taking all the you know detergents and soaps. I was following everything, taking all these things out of our lives. We sort of went back to little house on the prairie, which is, which is wonderful in many ways, but it's a hell of a lot of housework and hard work, mm-hmm. I can tell you. But I came up with a new acronym for MCAS. So instead of mast cells, what is that? Mast cell activation syndrome. I renamed it modern crap affecting sensitives and that's what it is that's what it is it's all these industrial chemicals and you know we, we're living in this world i think and i really got that from studying functional medicine people have no idea we have you know smelly things that we spray around we have things that we put in our toilet so that it doesn't smell when we flush it we put chemicals on everything
1: mm.
0: chemicals on Ooh. everything we put glyphosate on all of it, everything
1: very true yeah. and
0: We've been so, you know, I, I love science. I, I absolutely love science, and we've come up with some awesome things. But we have not taken care. We have not used the precautionary principle. We are blasting this stuff out there with no, with nowhere near enough due diligence on on harm. There's none. It's it's, it's really really problematic, and I believe that's why, or that's a big part of why there's so many kids down in those allergy wards. Yeah, you know, and so many sick kids.
1: And so it, many sick kids. It's it's. Incredibly sad, and what's going on is is a massive impact to the mental health of kids. And we'll we'll get you into that video, uh, and the reason why you uh, wanted to make it, and your thoughts after it. Did you have you have you put her on a high fat diet rather than a carb diet? Like, have you transitioned to a uh, try a keto diet? Or
0: we've done lots of things with diets. She takes Webster packs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like of of supplements. We have to we have to move ultimately um yeah. and that was something that was going to be at the end of this year but that wasn't taking into account being locked down for how many months have we been too
1: Just many too many too many three <laughs> possibly
0: yeah so I'm um, so so that's the ultimately she has to be in a house that has clean air um yeah. and unfortunately up here in the mountains and I think many places so many of these houses were built they didn't know. I mean, so many builders say to me, asbestos was the wonder material. They thought it apparently it's a very good building material. Um, you just don't want to get any mouldy. And, of course, you don't want to use it for other reasons. But they didn't know so much about foundations and, I don't know, sub- subfloor stuff. Yeah. Builder. Um So there's a lot of very, we call them sick houses up here because a lot of the families that I work with, uh, you know, especially underprivileged families who are in um Council housing, community housing, that sort of thing, and they're in. They all get sick. They all get terribly sick because these houses are, you know, they paint them so they look okay, but they're just mold traps and and sensitive children. I mean, everyone's vulnerable to it ultimately, but the sensitive children. So about ten fifteen percent, they're especially vulnerable, and it really really
2: causes a lot of problem.
1: Were you Were you always up in the Blue Mountains? Have you always no, no, been up there? No. no no, i'm
0: sydney born and bred yep and uh and sort of ducked back and forth between the uk my my mum's from bristol yeah and uh, i went to uni in london for my first degree so yeah first time that was before psych so i did business and computer science over in london i was over there for 12 years something like that Mm -hmm. and um and then i came back and i did psych at sydney uni yeah
1: have you always had that passion for psychology or what like what drove you what drove you towards psychology in the end, in the end of it all?
0: Oh goodness. Do you know what? So I'd done this, I was I'm a bit of a geek, always yeah. loved a bit of a geek out. And um so I'd I I'd, I'd done my computer science degree. I'd worked in a lot of, you know, kind of high high, I'd say high end, not high level. I wasn't, you know, any yeah. didn't reach any great heights. Um, no, I did fine, but, I mean, I was working for, like, luxury goods companies and I worked for, um, how do I say this collectively without naming name, um, <laughs> you know, top-tier consulting firms. Yeah. And I it just never sat well with me. Mm. It just never sat well with me. I, I would sort of have these moments and I'd say, you know, there's people starving in the world, there's children, whatever, and, and we're here. Doing events and worrying, you know, when I was in luxury goods, worrying about a consignment of 18 karat pave diamond lighters, and I'm there in my office at two in the morning because they're not going to make it to Riyadh in time, stressing out. And then I'd think, Man, "This can't be right." But I was only really young, you know. It was just one of those jobs I you kind of end up in. And I and I'd say, I'd say to people in my whatever I was tw- early 20s, and I'd, every now and then I'd say to them, "Does it ever bother you? That does, does it ever kind of?" And they'd go, "No." Nah. No. and and because they were older and i thought wiser than me i just got right
2: <laughs>
0: so, so then it was the same and i came back to australia and i worked for one of those uh top-tier consulting firms and i'd i'd listened to partners yelling at each other and i can say that because no one knows where it is and 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 it was all about you know it's all fiduciary duty it's all about profits and people going man you know sorry that's terrible <laughs> um, and these people who are Supposedly, the top of our tree, yeah, right, earning yeah. vast amounts of money, and it was all about efficiency and growth. And I don't know if you ever read the book The Lorax. You know, mm-hmm. have you read the book The Lorax? No. And it goes on about oh, if we could cut that in, it's a beauty. It goes yeah. on about um, biggering, and um, everyone needs to bigger. Everyone needs more money, money, money. It's, it's this beautiful little. If we can actually stop later and, and catch it in, I'll put it in because it's yeah. a beauty, but. Um, I just, I just thought, this is not right. This is not right. So I'd been off, I'd been back to the UK. We were bouncing back and forth a bit. And um, I was married at the time. And then that marriage ended. Mm-hmm. And so I came back through California to see some friends. And I went, I need to go and do some yoga or something, right? That's what you do, apparently, when you're mm-hmm. a bit brokenhearted. So, so I went to this, this fabulous place. And um, one of the things they offered was, and it was called career counseling of the heart. And I thought, Oh, cool. Because I've got no idea what I want to do. I don't want to be in that corporate anymore. It just isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. And, and all I knew. And at the time I thought, cause I was 32 or some grand old age like that. I thought, well, I've lost my chance to be a mum now. And I always wanted to be a mum. I, I adore children. I've, it was the most important thing for me. And I was that, you know, hence a lot of the heartbreak. And I thought, well, how, how about I do a career at some of you know, with children and I help children somehow. So I went through this process of the careers of the heart and um, you had to do all these steps, write to friends, go and do some short courses, et cetera. And so I got back to Sydney and it was summer and they had summer school. Right. And I thought, okay, well, what summer school courses have they got that might, you know, I can just try out and see if any of them are fit. And one of them was psych 101. And I thought, okay, I'll try that. Didn't know anything about psychology. And the other one was the philosophy of religion. And I thought, oh, that'll be interesting. Um, I didn't know why. I wasn't particularly religious. I just it just sounded cool. It was another kind of heart type, you know, very different from what I come from. So yeah. I thought I'll try those. So I went and enrolled in both of those and philosophy of religion. I lasted about five lectures, and it just it was too. At the time, I'd love to go back to it now. I just couldn't. Ha- it was too complex. I couldn't. I couldn't handle the philosophical kind of. I don't know. Mm. And I went and did psych one hundred and one, and I I fell in love. And you know. The funny thing was, is Psych 101. It just gives you little bits of all the different types of psychology. But because I did my research when I was doing computer science, I did AI, which don't freak out people because I know, hang on, let me just turn off that email. Um, I know a lot of people are sort of scared of AI and and think it's the devil and whatnot. Um, I mean, admittedly, I did my AI on, it shows you how old I am. Um, I was doing neural networks to compare against regression models for um I was doing currency forecasting, right? And mm-hmm. I was doing it for the Deutschmark versus Sterling. So do you even remember the Deutsche <laughs> <it called> the <laughs> Deutschmark, Diego. Diego, sorry, it's a long one time ago. Yeah, no, uh, so, but anyway, um, I love that sort of stuff. And so so that was all about systems, right? It was about building models and building networks mm. and then within that Psych 101 was neuroscience, very, you know, very baby intro neuroscience. And we started the lectures and I just went, wow, this is the same thing. It's like neural networks. I love it. So I totally geeked out and I went, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. So so that's, uh, yeah, kind of how I fell into psychology with a very big uh, love of neuroscience and, yeah, those sorts of things together. And, of course, there's so many different parts to psychology. There's neuroscience. There's all sorts of things. There's parts that I gel with. It, there's parts that I don't. And, yeah, that's how
1: I got into it. Yeah, I really, I really respect the field of psychology way more than I do um, psychiatry. Psychiatry is more, you, you know, you're, you're sort of, they get, they get paid more apparently, I'm not too sure, on both fields. And, but they need to, you know, um, they sort of mask something. Uh, where psychology you're trying to figure out what is the root cause and why the brain is sort of wired that way. Is that right? Or am I the wrong? There's
0: psychology and the psychology. I mean, psychiatry, I believe you, oh, this is careful. I have to be very careful what I say here because I have some very good friends that are psychiatrists. There are some really, really good psych, psychiatrists out there. Mm. I think what happened, psychiatry, I don't know when it happened, um, but it became pharmaceutical and, and, Please, if anyone's upset by that, I think there are some fantastic um, psychopharmaceuticals that are needed in acute situations, and they can be very, very powerful. However, I think we kind of went a bit too far there,
1: um, mm.
0: and it's a shame because psychiatry used to be much more about sort of the psychoanalytic tradition, spending a lot of time with people, hearing about their trauma, and hearing about their life. Psychology is an interesting one, so I'm, and again, I have to be very careful what I say here. Yeah. There's there's many different schools, like like in any. Um, specialist area the 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 model changes and grows as we learn new things and psychology has changed from I suppose you know much more sort of philosophical roots to then becoming very very hardcore scientists with the behaviorists it sort of then went over it just has swung like this pendulum you know from side to side and where we are currently I don't actually really agree with it so much I think we're about to see a huge swing but um The universities. I think I'll just say it. Um, We have, and I'm not a very political person. You probably know this much better. We have, what is it, tripart separation of powers? Yes. Yes. But I think in 2021 we need two more parts in that, and there needs to be the media, and there needs to be academia. Yeah, and they need to absolutely. So we need a. Will that be a quin part? I don't know. Five part. Quintet. They should absolutely not be connected.
1: I, agree with, that. Academia, I definitely agree with that.
0: Academia, which to me should be absolutely free and the sort of bastion of intellectual debate and learning and making mistakes because it's good to make mistakes. Not in this world apparently anymore. We all try to be perfect and pretend we know everything. Very dangerous tradition. Yeah. My I was actually doing a PhD five years ago. And I, in my first PhD meeting, and I was quite an old PhD student, you know, 42 or whatever I'm now, no
2: more, anyway,
0: mid-40s, and I, and I'll just say this, I didn't finish my secondary education. I was out of school when I was 14. I think they let me stay to my 15th birthday. I was in a lot of trouble at school. I was a bit of a naughty kid, and that's another story for another time. However, me being in a PhD meeting was kind of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm actually in this PhD I was really quite um, what's the word, humbled, even though everyone else in that meeting was sort of 26, 25, whatever. And my PhD supervisor came in and I knew him quite well. And because I'd done my internship with him and he was running a bit late. So maybe I don't know how many people in that meeting it wasn't massive, maybe 10 PhD students, something like that. So I'm in awe of them all. And my supervisor came in. So this would have been, I think, about 2015. Mm-hmm. And he came and he said, I'm really sorry I'm late. So I've been caught up in one of these executive, this is Sydney Uni, searing committee meetings. I said, oh, gosh. And he said, look, and so I've been told, I have to let you all know that we've been told that by, and I might get these years and percentages slightly wrong, but it, I say that full disclaimer, but it's the point. Mm-hmm. He said either by 2018 or 2019, eighty. it was either 80 or 90%. But the university's research objectives, sorry, the the university's research funding must be aligned with industry objectives.
1: That's incredible that they actually wanted to align with corporate, essentially corporate agenda, right? And uh, corporate agenda also has an agenda in politics. They serve a lot of money into politics. So it's bringing it all quite intertwined.
0: Intertwined. And I don't even know if they want when you said they wanted to, who I I don't I don't know who where these decisions all come from. Yeah. But yeah. I sat there and I waited for someone to say, what? Mm. And I thought, because I again I was quite anxious and I was just waiting. No one said anything. And so then he started talking about something else. And I sort of went, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> did you just say? And I wasn't angry because I, I thought I can't actually believe it here. Did you just say that corporate objectives, We the funding is all going to be tied up with that? And he said, yeah, I know. It's pretty bad, isn't it? And I went, pretty bad? That's... that's horrid." I, I can't even... I'm, I'm losing my language now because I was so shocked. And so then the all these other PhD students were kind of going, yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? And I thought... <laughs> and this is what happened actually with my getting into this whole thing here. Why? And I just think, well, it must be me. I'm just being dramatic because no one else is really that bothered. And I even uh, that after that? And I remember going and meeting some friends and telling them and saying, "Is that to me?" That just sounds. I, I can barely even get wrap my head around that as a concept. And and a few of them went, "Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad." But here we are, how six years later? Hmm. Yeah. So that was a big Wh- shock.
1: Why? Why is? Why do? Humans have this innate um, nature to want to want to please, and in a sense, when it becomes power, it becomes dangerous. So those other students, if a professor walks in and he says this is what it is, those other students just don't question it. They've they they just go. Well, that's, yeah. that's what it is. He must be right. And I have to listen exactly to what I'm told. And I just, yeah. even though what you just said is clearly shocking. Why, yeah. why do we have that nature to, to be that way?
0: Wow. So, so you've just asked the question that would be like a, a, a 500 page book or a five year uni this is, <laughs> this is really big. Um, so the, I would say there are two main differences, yeah. but we really could talk about this for hours. Yeah. First, there is a genetic difference. There is about 10 to 15% of the population that are genetically highly sensitive, highly plastic. We call it differential susceptibility. There's various genes, of dopamine transporter, serotonin transporter genes, it doesn't matter. Mm. But those 10 to 15% are the, are the folk like me, like you in the discussions we've had, who if we see, for example, a cat being kicked on the side of the road, we would cross the road. We can't watch Injustice without speaking up. Yes. That being said, it also depends very much on the environment you grew up in. Mm. So there's a whole field of epigenetics. I don't know if it's something you've talked about much in your podcast. It's very much the way I run my psych practice from, and it's very much... This is something that we need. I mean, I teach this to children. I teach this to children. I don't don't go into genes, right? Mm -hmm. But I talk about environments a great deal. I teach them about parts of their brain and how and why they respond in different situations. There are, depending on the age I talk with, um, there's various parts of the brain that can get very involved in power. There's various parts of the brains that can get very involved in greed. Depending on your Genetic handprint, and then depending on not the environment you were born into, the womb you were conceived in, because epigenetics starts right back at the start. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Um, for a long time, and I think there was, I think John Locke's his name, his very famous philosophy, he talked about tabula rasa. Every baby was born a tabula rasa, which, which means blank slate. Okay. And it basically meant that the when the child was literally born, brand new newborn baby, it was a blank slate. And if you took that baby and you put it into these different environments, it, it could eventuate, you know, turn into all these different things. What they were missing at the time, which we now know, is that it's not a tabula rasa at the moment it's born, it's a tabula rasa at the moment it's conceived. And in fact, we now know about um, intergenerational transfer of trauma down the germline. So that gets more complicated, but let's keep yeah. it simple.
2: Yep.
0: Let's give you an example. So a child that is in 2021. Adopted as a newborn, right? So, according to Tabula Rasa, as soon as that baby's born, if it's taken away from the mother and put into Mother Teresa's perfect hands, that child will have a perfect, you know, a great life. But what they didn't realize is that from the moment of conception, that I can't remember which words we use at conception, we're not calling it a fetus yet, but anyway, this developing baby is subjected to the internal environment of the mother's body and our genes are always really looking out for one thing is it safe it's like a whole body right and the trauma psychology I talked about is it safe is this environment safe and obviously it's not asking the question because we've got a clump of cells but epigenetically it's trying to find out if it's safe any mother in 2021 who's going to lose her baby at birth is in a highly stressed state, for whatever reason. She might be taking drugs, she might be in an abusive relationship, she might be very young, all sorts of things, but there will be enormous stress. And so that baby is developing in a pool of adrenaline and cortisol and all these stress hormones. So epigenetically, Mother Nature, whatever you want to call it, is very smart. She's like, okay, we're going to be born into a very stressful environment. We need to change this baby into someone that's going to be ready and stronger mm-hmm. for this dangerous environment. So they will become what's called sympathetic dominant. So don't know if you know, parasympathetic and sympathetic, we talk about fight flight. That's sort of the common yes. language, the fight yeah. flight system, right? Yes. What happens to us when we've got, we're presented with danger. It's our first level of defense. We either usually fight. Most of us don't fight. Most of us run away. Um, you know, and that's the physical forms, which isn't so, uh, isn't doesn't happen so much these days. A lot of it is is more the mental forms. So rather than going into that, so these babies will develop to be more sympathetically activated. What that means is we have a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is very involved with what's been going on with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically scanning for danger, and when I teach this to children, <clears throat> they love it. You know, at first their mums are going, "What are you doing? We can't teach this." Mm-hmm. They love it they'll come in um i've actually and i asked permission from these parents a while ago and they said yes one of the little go- girls i love with gorgeous thing she um she calls the amygdala bacon and eggs right and the reason she calls it bacon and eggs is because i teach the amygdala is this kind of big buffy security guard right and it's just there in the background all day long looking around it's completely um uh so the subconscious, you, you know, we, we don't, we're not aware of it. And it's just mm. scanning all day going, are oh, you safe? Are oh, you safe? Like your smoke alarm on your roof. Yeah. And you're right? It's just there. But the thing is, it's very fast and it's very strong. It's not very smart. Sorry, you know, it, it, it makes mistakes. So if I give you an example, if you've ever, and I do this a lot, um, I'll walk into a room. I'm, I'm not a big fan of spiders. I mean, you know, no problem with them, but they, they make me jump, right? So have you ever walked into a room? And there's maybe a blob of blue tack on the wall, right? And you've walked and you go, and then because your amygdala is going, oh, it's a spider. So you've jumped. But then your prefrontal cortex, which is much slower, the thinking part of the brain, goes, no, it's cool. It's just a lump of blue tack, right? Or you might have done it when you've gone for a bushwalk and there's a bit of hose pipe or something and you go, oh, it's a snake. And then, you, but your prefrontal cortex, which is this really smart part that we think is, you know, the seat of humanity and we're so clever, it's much slower. It's two hundred mm-hmm. times slower. Right? Oh, the amygdala is wow. two hundred times faster because the amygdala's job is to keep you safe, alive, yeah. right? And yeah. it evolved, you know. And and I know some people don't subscribe to evolution, and that's okay. Whatever your belief system is, I mean, I work very much evolutionary psychology. It's that even if it was created and that's that's fine, however you look at it, but you've got this part of the brain that is very big, very strong, and it's, um, it's trying to keep you alive, and it's much faster than all of this part. And so she calls it bacon and eggs because when I told her about it, and I've got big posters, I make it lots of fun, they love it, she said to me, oh, that's like um, bacon and eggs at my grandparents' house because every time my grandpa teaches, so he cooks me bacon and eggs, the smoke alarm goes off. <laughs> so she calls <laughs> Isn't that cute? I love
1: that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's beautiful. So she calls the amygdala bacon and eggs. So we'll be having a conversation about something, and, and, and if we're talking of something about anxiety, I'll say, which part of the brain? She's like, bacon and eggs again. Yeah. So what did we do with bacon and eggs? We say, that's okay. Thanks for trying to keep me safe. We take a big breath. We breathe it out. You wanted to see my mind, jar. Yeah? You know, yes. here we are. We yes. breathe it out. and. And we calm down, the amygdala, it's not difficult to calm down once you understand how it works. Mm. And teaching those things to children, my goodness, it's enormously powerful, Mm. makes the parents love it too because it's just understanding how you work takes away so much of the, you know, so many parents come in, poor parents, by the time they come to a child psychologist, they are, you know, often broken, often depressed themselves. They feel like failures. Yeah. and, And they shouldn't. They shouldn't. And, and so hearing a bit more about how the brain works, they usually say it's the most powerful thing for them because it means, oh, so I'm, I'm not this terrible parent. It's like, no, no one's a terrible parent. Mm-hmm. Now, people are, there's so much pressure on parents these days and I, I really believe that all parents love their children. And if you see a parent, even going back to those mothers that we've talked about who, who might lose their babies, I mean, what a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy. Definitely, People parent less than optimally. Because they don't have
1: enough support. It's the only reason. And it's is the it, only reason. Is it this, so it's essentially these societal pressures and that would eventually um, trigger those items in the brain for people to be like, okay, not a problem. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that as a professor walking Oh, sorry, in what saying, are you
0: talking about now? You've jumped back to coronavirus?
1: No, 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 as the professor coming in uh, to those kids uh, in the classroom and then, you know, you didn't agree. Oh, I beg then your
0: pardon. The, sorry, yes. Then so
1: the other kids.
0: As, the, as those kids, yeah. Look, and, and and a lot of children, I think it's actually the education system. I, I, oh, You're going to get me in trouble here, Diego. I'm sort of <laughs> talking against everything. The, the education system in around the world is not a, Australian thing, um, we've ended up with this system that is very vertical. We teach data, we teach to the test, we teach to that plan, we teach to to get in as much data as possible. Very sadly, in this country, we don't respect our teachers. They are made to do this ridiculous amount of I can't even remember what it's called paperwork and all this proof of everything's okay. Whereas, if I think it's South Korea and Finland, I heard a few years ago. Um, this fabulous. Uh, anyway, I've just read about it, mm-hmm. um, and and it was saying so. Two of the top performing countries in the school, in the sorry, in the countries in the world, mm-hmm. and this article, this book was about why South. I'm pretty sure South Korea and Finland. What they have in common, and what they have in common is that in order to be allowed to teach, you have to be educated to a postgraduate level, and you are a respected member of society, you're, you're like a doctor or whatever. Teaching is the most noble, it's a bit of flouncy you but it is. I mean, it is. it's such a noble profession. And so because they're educated so well, they don't get questioned. I mean, I'm not saying they can do whatever they want, but they don't have to jump all through these hoops of, of showing that they're meeting these kind of KPIs and blah, 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 that all the teachers in Australia and I believe England and America and so much the rest of the world, they're burning out. And I don't think people understand quite how hard teachers work. Everyone's like, oh, you've got these big holidays. No, 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 no. I know some absolutely amazing teachers and they work so hard. And the system that works here just doesn't support them. Um, I really believe we need to have respect for our teachers, stop micromanaging them and and bring in critical thinking. Yes. Right? Children need to learn to question, but the top site graduates would be headhunted by the gambling companies, mm. right to so the gaming machine companies, um, the advertising companies, yeah, the marketing companies, yes, because the top psychologists can figure out how can you get one more percent out of that person that's stuck in front of that pokey, completely addicted.
1: Yeah, how can you keep
0: them a little bit longer? And it was the gaming, you know. And it was the advertising and the marketing companies. I don't even need to go into why. How can we make people feel, you know, bad enough about themselves that, that just need that new shiny shampoo or that new spot cream or that whatever?
2: Mm.
0: How can we get, you know, the perfect family And that? I'm, I'm not going to talk companies, but,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that was the thing. And I remember when I found that out and I felt dirty. I felt how could people come into psychology? I was here to help people and and go and do that. And, I mean, I don't anymore because now I understand so much more. And I was in my first degree, when you come out, you got a lot of student debt, far out of someone, you know, whatever, 23, 24, you've still got not that much prefrontal cortex. You've got student debt and someone says, hey, come and work for us and whatever, you're going to go, sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand it. However, now what's happening, and this was why I only did about a year of Facebook before I pulled out, because I'd worked in AI and I'd worked in computer science. And I knew psychology and I went, oh, my God, this is, because I was seeing the like buttons and the selfies and I thought this is a recipe for disaster.
2: Mm.
0: This is a recipe for disaster. And then when the phones got into the hands of the kids, I mean, that's, it's not really what we're here talking about today. I have a really big problem with that. We've destroyed, we have destroyed a generation. The amount of suicide in young girls because they don't think they're pretty enough on Instagram the amount of, how do I say this, the destruction of young male sexuality
1: mm, with yes. the
0: it's and, and the problem with these things is, once again, is they're not things that you then just get to 18 and you go, that's like, okay, I'll just go and get a few psych sessions and sort that out. No, we've changed brains. We've changed developing brains. So it's, it's, it's a really big problem. And I remember at the time, um, I actually tried to do some parent ed on this, um, some of these bits and pieces. And what I realized, and you can tell me afterwards whether this is safe for me to say or if I should not put this in.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, with things that have happened in the past, and let's just call them mistakes, right? There's been some big mistakes that have happened in the past. And I don't think they were deliberate. I don't even think this was deliberate. Um, things like cigarette smoking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or asbestos, right? I thought it was a great building material. Cigarette smoking—the doctors used to do it—is actually a bit of a stress reliever, right? I used to smoke. Um, I'm not saying don't start smoking, but the point was, is with each of those ones, they ended up becoming these kind of behemoth uh, businesses, right? So when the whole we realised smoking lung cancer, etc., or asbestos—I can't remember the name of the what is it—meso thingo, anyway—but that both of these things were causing huge Health problem same with glyphosate at the moment now because that's sort of we're still pretending that's not happening oh yes it is um the the you know these huge teams of solicitors and whatnot would get involved and with smoking eventually right the doctors don't smoke anymore with asbestos okay we eventually got there the same thing will happen with glyphosate the problem with the mobile phones is it's not one industry if you look at technology and you look at like the vertical and horizontal supply chain involved in both of them it's ginormous. Yes. It's ginormous. So we're currently living in this point in history where the entire population, and it's gotten far worse with all these lockdowns, is like this
2: Mm. all day long.
0: The kids, and they don't realise. Do you know, I went to the park the other day, and this lady won't know who I was because I, you know, I was just walking up to the shop and there's a little playground at the end of the road, and there was this gorgeous little three-year-old. It was one of those first beautiful spring days, and she was playing on a play equipment and her mother and it's not against mother right because everyone's doing it um she was sitting under the tree under a tree on her phone smiling at her phone i don't know what she was looking at reading maybe she was talking to someone and her delightful that three or four that beautiful magical age which has gone like that any parents know <laughs> and she was kind of and her mum just was down her phone and i was trying to in my head i was trying to say play with your daughter look at your daughter." She's not going to be that way for, for long. Yes. Anyway, yes. off oh, I went. I went up to the shops, and I came back down twenty-five minutes later, and that mum was still under the tree, on her phone, looking. She was beaming at the phone, and up above her in the tree was her daughter swinging around. And again, and I just, I didn't call out. I mean, you can't. Well, maybe I should. And I was just trying to will her. Please look at your beautiful little girl. Mm. She's going to be a teenager soon, and 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 it'll it'll be gone. Please. Um, but that's where we are right now. And it's, it's a, t- it, it's, oh, I lose language again. The, mm. It's so destructive on so many levels. And the worst part is, is that having worked in corporate, I know that the people that program them are, again, they're probably in their mid 20s. So, so they're out of uni, they're in Silicon Valley, and it's all about KPIs and bonuses, right? And we just, if you get, you know how it all works, right? Yeah, yeah, Business. Yeah. And so they are programmed, the phones, to be as addictive as possible. Anyone who's had a Candy Crush addiction, they'll know what I'm talking about. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. Mm. It's that that you've been deliberately targeted. And I don't even say it's like they're deliberately targeting. Yeah, that's going to make them addicted to Candy Crush. No, they just want to make money. They're not, they're not thinking about you. They just want their new Porsche, which they'll get if they get a certain amount of, you know, I don't know all no the words, you know, yeah. Um, and and so really we're in and then we've got the whole fiduciary duty thing so we've just got all of this business that is just churning and there is not one skerrick i mean people are now coming in and say oh we'll look we'll have a screen time what is it screen time thing or something and because they're getting a bit hounded now because mm -hmm. now we know how many children are dying and the Mm -hmm. and whatnot so i didn't take out that name i didn't say that Mm -hmm. phone manufacturers yes right please take that out Mm -hmm. i'm requesting that i'll go back so you know the various phone manufacturers and people are now starting to get some pressure on them, and and again I don't think the it's not like saying all these people are bad. I don't believe in bad people. I believe people with their corporate hats on can do very bad things as a corporation. But I I like to think call me naive, but I like to think that most humans
1: are good i'm on that notion as well i believe 90 of people are good because there's what seven billion of us if we weren't majority of us good i like, go for more than 90
0: percent i go yeah. for more than 90 and whatever percentage because you know the thing is it trauma right so the ones who are we've got psychopaths of course psychopathy is a very real thing and it's out there and there's particular genes and uh and, and that go with that we've got personality disorders we've got narcissistic personality disorders kind of all in the press at the moment but what is really important for people to understand is that those you're not born that way. It's a recipe. So people with those sorts of personality disorders, may they can be very destructive, and I've kind of had a lifetime of them, actually, so I'm very aware. Mm. Um, those personality disorders are a certain various genes and whatnot. But, but and again, I'm going to oversimplify this, and so if people say, yeah, but what, the, the, the nub of it is, that it's attachment trauma,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: So, so attachment science is is or attach, attachment theory is one of the, to me, the most critical important parts of what we need to be thinking about in terms of coronavirus and how we're thinking. It's a big part of trauma theory. So, it's really talking about your relationship, well, your epigenetic relationship when you're inside the womb, and then the first couple of years of your life, especially. I won't go into time, but there's some critical periods. Now, again not mother blaming for a second. Yeah. If mothers haven't parented optimally, it's because they didn't have enough support. We should revere our newborn mothers. We should be, they're holy. Because what happens in those first few years is they are forming the mental health of the child, Mm. right? Mental health of the child. And so one of the things that is so horrifying to me about what's happened with coronavirus is the increase in postnatal depression. And perinatal depression. So mothers who are depressed while they're pregnant. Yeah. Right. And mothers who are depressed afterwards because are you a parent, Diogo?
1: Not yet. We're going to be, going to, going to be, um, I think, um, uh, yeah, but not yet.
0: No, we have plans. Don't say we're going to be. I'm not pregnant oh. yet. Oh, yeah, she's not pregnant
1: yet. I don't even know how to word it all. Goosebumps. goosebumps.
0: She got so excited then. No, unfortunately not yet, but yeah, it's on not, the horizon. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so, so one of the things that's, it's, and it's just the most beautiful part, is that when a baby, I, you know, maybe from about three, four months, right through to 18, and you do this thing and it's called sort of, serve and return and and you just you, you have done it with maybe nieces and nephews and other kids and you just look at them and you just sort of they might go bah, 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 and you go bah, 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 back mm-hmm. and you just it's like a, it's a heart thing. It's this heart connection back and forth. But what happens is it's, it's about validation of emotion. So it won't just be the giggling. I mean, you do a lot of that and it's beautiful. But, for example, if you're out with your baby and there's a loud noise or there's a loud noise at home mm-hmm. and they might go, oh, and so then you go oh, with them and then you go, that's okay. And and it's just, it's, this is when emotional regulation develops and it's yeah. so, so, so critical. And a depressed mother is unable to do that. It's not her fault. She, but she's, she's depressed and people who are depressed, she might be able to still do a little bit of it, but when you're depressed, you kind of, you're not doing that beautiful server return contact. So, mm. I don't have australian data for this i'm not sure if there is yet um however what i've seen from the us and the uk is figures in terms of uh 300 increase in postnatal depression in the 2021 northern hemisphere winter so the implications of that are horrifying Mm -hmm. they really are horrifying because if we're worried about levels of narcissism in society and other personality disorders at the moment, and I'm not saying you know every child that this happens to, that's going to happen to, or everyone, but as a as a as a, as a theme, mm-hmm. it's a really yeah. big problem, and absolutely we can intervene, and absolutely we can help. It's not happening right now. Yeah. It's not been happening for the last half many months, and this is critical, and this is really it was those sorts of things were the reason I I made the video. Yeah, because I was I was horrified and I was terrified and I didn't know why anyone else hadn't been doing this because I this is my second career I'm not a big important psych I just kept waiting for some professor or or the APS or the AAPI or the black dog or the ACF when were they going to speak up surely Mm. and they didn't I didn't want to do this
1: and when you saw when you made that video did you did you did you initially think, look, I'm I'm saying something that's outside the norm of this field and that's sort of against the grain, or did you feel that uh, this is the way that a lot of uh, psychologists and professionals feel, and I'm I'm get, they're just not saying it, so I'm I'm going to just express uh, how I feel about a a situation? Was that was that I the thought patterns?
0: I don't have a, a huge – I've got various psych connections, of course. Um, I'm not – you know, my best buddies aren't psychs. They do all sorts of other things.
2: Mm.
0: I had been speaking out and asking people – I was very concerned about the mental health effects, as I said, since the fire, since the start of last year. Yes. And I kept speaking to people, but – I don't have to stop. I
2: didn't understand that.
0: My phone here
1: – What's happening over is, there? <laughs>
0: Oh, look, everything's hacked. Everything's been hacked. Um, so it just does weird things. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just quite incredible. So it just all of a sudden, my phone's been sitting there. It's just, yeah, anyway, look, I don't even bother anymore. I tell you what, I've got an IT degree. If this was 25 years ago, I'd be out slaying. But unfortunately, because it's 25 years old, it's like I'm playing with Duplo and these people are playing with Lego Technics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: To you.
0: Um, yeah, look, I don't, my best buddies aren't psychs at all. I've got quite an eclectic group of friends. I, I certainly had spoken to quite a few people because I've been very concerned since last year, like I said. Mm. And a lot of people would agree, uh, but they'd usually say, yes, but this this virus is so bad we just have to kind of take the hit. Mm. And I remember thinking, because it's not that I don't think coronavirus is a serious risk you know i told you how i was with my daughter and i mean i'm not a medical scientist my understanding has always been that this especially for the elderly and and the immune compromised is a really you know a a thing we need to take very seriously Mm -hmm. my question was always uh, and i hate to say this but i'm gonna say it body count end game Mm -hmm. children and and the rest of the community compared to and it's not that i don't have great compassion of course to people who are elderly and were probably had had other issues that were probably near the end of their life anyway. And I'm not saying even with that, that we just say, no, we need to take care of them. Yeah. We need to take care of them. as a community. So I, what actually there were two, there were a couple of things, right. That were sort of pushed me to the edge to do it. Um, one of them was that in, um, the start of this lockdown, whenever it was, three months ago, one of my, well, my supervisor is an addiction specialist in California. He's just about to retire. You know, he's been doing this for years. Very, very smart, wise man. And so during the, the uh, and the reason I have an addiction specialist, interesting, is because ADHD and whatnot, the sensitives that I work with are kind of the, the, the kids who, if not helped end up on the addiction.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Line.
0: Yeah. So our work is very similar in terms of working. Brilliant guy. Um, anyway, so during the Northern Hemisphere winter, he'd oh he was just collapsing under the stress because you know he does so many groups and he works in so many different addiction centers. And it, 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 the, the here we go, I get stuttery because it's just so emotional. Um the the overdose rate had tripled. Um the, the number of new folk coming into addiction was huge. I mean, who hasn't sat there with, net, you know, with pizza and beer watching Netflix, right? But that's just yeah. a little bit, um, the, you know, we're talking about really serious yeah. drugs. Um, but, you know, one of the saddest parts for me was him telling me about the returning addicts. And I don't know if you know much about addiction, but, you know, for people who say, they call it recovery. So if you say not been drinking for 20 years, you'd say you've been in recovery for 20 years, or if you've not been taking cocaine for 20 years, you've been in recovery for 20 years. And they hold that so dear to them.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, I'm 20 in recovery. It's a really big thing. The amount of them that have gone back in, I've got goosebumps. I mean, it's really sad. So, so I'd seen that, heard his and just seen his pain throughout that whole Northern Hemisphere winter. And then about a week into this lockdown, um, which I initially was furious about because... I, even though I don't, I stopped watching all of the eleven a.m. briefings and whatnot just because I found them too stressful. Um, and I, I stopped even looking at the media because I thought I kept thinking it doesn't make sense to me. And I thought, well, maybe my maths just isn't good enough, because there's much smarter people than me, I really thought that dealing with this. Um, I, even though I wasn't following all of that anymore, I had like who could avoid all the pictures of the the bodies in the Ganges, right, with Delta and the yeah. and the pyres, right? It was just. God. and and again I didn't delve into that in any great detail because I, I I don't like scary movies Right? I just it was just too heartbreaking heartbreaking and um but I did know you know I'd sort of seen enough headlines at Woolies and whatnot Delta super contagious da 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 and um and and so when that first hit Australia and they were saying oh well, we'll just do a little bit of a lockdown over here and a bit of a lockdown over here and and I, I was furious. I think a lot of us were. And I had friends from around the world. I had a friend from Perth, actually, because over there they did, boom, right, bam, hard lockdown. Yeah. And with the little I knew about and didn't think I understood about the lockdown things, I knew that lock us down, lock us down, please, you know, quick, otherwise we're going to be in this for months. Mm. How did I know that and they not know that when I don't know very much about it? I then made this video, not the one that you saw, mm-hmm. I spent a month, terrified making this video that i wanted to be so perfect because you know i i, I had to make the decision this might lose me my license
2: mm-hmm.
0: This might lose me my license is that something worth it? i'm 51 you know I, i'm I, the one thing i know is all that matters in life is love money doesn't matter yes if you've got a roof yes. right not the not the world i grew up in saw it very differently but doesn't doesn't matter I, I can't afford to live in sydney again i wouldn't want to mm. what's happened to that place it's all become about money 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 and and i actually it just it just makes me quiver it's love yes right yes. love is what children need and love is what brings happiness so i thought okay i'll be all right i can work in a coffee shop if it comes to it um i'd really prefer not to lose my license because i really love Working yeah. with children, and you shouldn't lose but your thought, license
1: at all. You shouldn't lose your license for you know seeing injustice and voicing yeah. your opinion. But sorry to cut yeah. you off. Please go on.
0: Yeah, that's okay. We'll see what Artie says next Thursday because I'm up in front of the tribunal next Thursday. But it's look, it's okay. I, I I made the decision if I can save one life, two life, three lives of children because so many children have died and are going to die mm. uh, from the mental health impacts of this Senate. Then that then that's worth it. And that's worth it. So I spent all this time trying to do this video and I was, this had this ulcerative colitis going on. I won't go into it, but it was just, it's pretty not nice. Um, Living on rehydration salts because I, you know, trying to keep myself together. Spent about a month doing the first part, maybe not that long, a few weeks in the first part of that video. And I'd managed to track down another trauma psychologist who I had had a connection with through work. And I just had a sense because I figured out this was all about trauma. And I rang her up and I said, can I just, check, I'm just starting to think. And she, we kind of intuitively knew and she just went, yeah, boom, let's go for a walk. So we did. And she brought another friend of my, of hers who I now, who I'd actually kind of crossed paths with. And she's a school counselor as long, over the years. Um, and they, those two are, are like these, my warrior angels. I mean, it sounds a bit geeky, but they have been the most incredible support in this. And I couldn't have done it without them. Mm. Um, and so originally the three of us were going to make this video together. Uh, however, because they were still saying, "Oh, we can't say this because we don't lose our jobs. We can't say this because we don't lose our jobs," and I said, "You know what? I'll do the first one because this just has to be said. And if we're doing too much of a tightrope, then we're not going to get the information over. So I'll do this first one, and then you can do some other ones." And I'm like, "Yep, fine." So I'd spent all this time doing the first bit and I sent it to the one of them and she wrote back and she said, well, yeah, no, it's just, that's not, you can't do that. And so, and then another friend said the same and I just, oh, my God. And and I was so stressed, right, because the thing is I was making this video about the mental health impacts on the children because I just thought people didn't know and I wanted to put this forward so that people would know and then go, oh, okay, this is no good. But what I, during that process, and I, you know, I've, I've, I haven't finished my PhD, but I've written two theses and I'm a bloody good researcher, right? It's, it's, it's my real strength. I'm like a dog with a bone. And what I found blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. What I found was widespread censorship, mm. mass yeah. censorship. And that's when I got really, really sick. There were a couple of days, and I'm going to say this. So this is my example of not mother blaming. Let me show you some of my bad mothering. I spent about three days where I barely got out of bed and used the TV as a babysitter, which I hate because I was in on these different computers in such existential crisis that this could actually be happening that I couldn't properly take care. I mean, you know, I, I, I made meals and stuff, right? It wasn't, but really, it was. it's not my fault. The way that
1: you wanted to. Yeah. 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 I get but you. I was
0: so blown away by what I was seeing. And this thing had been planned around the world for six months. Yeah. And it was millions of people. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's it one, it's not it as a rally, the right word, a protest. I don't know. Um, anyway, millions of people around the world. And Sydney was one of the places. And as with most things, international rallies, Sydney goes first. We'll probably Auckland and then Sydney and then, you know, the rest of the world comes next day. So I had footage, I had my two laptops side by side and I had footage on one of forty or 50,000 people walking through Sydney, parents with strollers, grandparents, smiling, happy, loving people. Mm -hmm. And then next to it, mainstream media. And the comparison, I don't, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. You probably are. Um, an article's coming up saying something like three thousand five hundred buffheads, or you know, uh, three thousand five hundred selfish people that are going to cause this super spreader event. And photos of, you know, I, I, I guess, I, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. At, at, at most of these kind of events, there's always going to be because there's there's young men. There's always hot-headed young men, right? And and they're mm-hmm. kind of there, uh, and the police there are, and. The, showing this footage of this as though it was this big thug event right mm. there was this this photo of this poor man saying he punched a police horse mm.
2: right
0: and yet separate footage showing him it turns out the poor guy apparently and he he was defended and he got off and i don't think that got into papers um show, he's apparently some i don't know if he's vegan or you know animal loving sort of thing. Um, he the, the horse turns and he's trying to kind of protect the horse as he comes back. He didn't punch it, yet every Australian newspaper is, is showing these thugs and da-da-da. Yeah. But then yeah. the next day was the worst. So I think it would have been the Sunday morning. All of these huge numbers of events have happened around the world. You know, 20 cities in Italy, every major city in the UK, everywhere. I, I think millions. On my, I Maybe it was hundreds of thousands. I don't know. I'm guessing collectively millions. This had been organised for six months. And I thought, okay, cool. Well, I wonder what the Australian papers are reporting about those. Mm. So I went to the Australian papers, and what do you think they were reporting about those? They didn't exist. They didn't exist. And I did, and I, I and I sat there, and I mean, I thought, am I having some sort of psychotic episode? Am I in? A, I really did. Right, I'm psychologically trained, and I thought, am I just because I cannot believe this i yeah. can't believe this can be happening there must be a rational explanation so i actually tried to activate who are the smartest people i know that i can send some of this to because it wasn't just that then i was i'd found all of these censored really highly credentialed scientists professors of epidemiology at oxford and princeton harvard and and you know professors of i don't know what the right words are but like vaccine science and you know these these just gun medical people who were saying bullshit? Can my mom say bullshit?
2: Yeah, this is fine.
0: And they don't say that, okay. And I thought, what's going on? So I so I sort of sent this to, to some of the really, really, really smart people I know. I've got a friend who's a vaccine scientist. I've got, you know, one of my brothers who's just like really, really, really smart. And I went to them not saying, look at this, oh my god, this is happening. I went to them trying to say, can you tell me why this is wrong? Because I keep finding all this stuff. So I was actually trying to negate the hypothesis, which is what you're meant to do in science. Yes. You do. Used to be what Supposed you're meant to do in science.
1: Supposed to, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Because I, I like I I'm I can not believe this is happening. And nothing. I, I won't even go what into they said what they said because I don't want it's not about sort of I don't want to put the spotlight on them. But I mean it was interesting insofar as that it made me during that process. Really think about almost the hypnotism. What is it that's happening to people that is allowing this to happen? And here's that, and then here's the punchline. Um, I don't know if you know of a guy called Tony Atwood. He's, he's he's not in this space. It's just it's just the example of what happened. He's a very very famous English uh, doctor of his specialty is autism, mm-hmm. and so he did an Australian story about a year ago. And he, you know, he's this gun. I mean, I've done so many of his training. seems like a lovely, lovely guy. All that autism does in his whole career. And he tells the story of his, I think, 25-year-old son and how his son had to go to jail and get into all sorts of trouble. And I'm not saying anything out he did an Australian story, unless you can look it up, um, before he, as the world expert of autism, realised that his son had Asperger's. Okay. Now, the reason I make that point, and I'm not Tony Atwood, I'm not anyone as famous or clever as that, the point is is that my work has always been about childhood trauma and and it's what I teach, right, to to the families I work with. But I didn't realise, you know, it took me a while to realise, oh, my gosh, it's trauma. That's why, everyone, because I couldn't understand. And then, you know, when I did realise, it's like, well, how have we got these two camps? How have we got these... I'm a lefty intellectual, which is where I used to sit, by the way, and look down mm-hmm. my nose at what I thought were the, you know, the righty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? What did she call? What did? What did Hillary Clinton say? What was she like the unwashed or something? And I don't even know if she's left or right. Sorry, I don't really follow. But the point being that arrogance, yes, that ego,
2: yes, right, yes. going, oh, you
0: cretins. But here was a crazy part: was that if you were over here and you even asked one little question, like, yeah, but how this doesn't make sense? You're like. <laughs> You're a crazy anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist, cabal, blood <laughs> lizard, I don't even know from the fringes.
1: Everything that they label, yeah, very clever. Mm.
0: I don't know if it's very clever, but very strong, very powerful. And so, I, I don't know if I, if I, if you want me to talk about what I talk about in the um, in the video as to how that works, it's how or, or
2: yeah,
1: or can, not. for the people that haven't watched the video. Uh, what yes. were the key points that you wanted to get across to everyone and what was the reciprocation of that video? Obviously, after putting out that video, you've got yeah. now got to go to the APRA board uh, regarding yes. that, the video. Um, so yeah. what, was, what was the points that, for those that haven't heard yet, what was the points that you wanted to get across?
0: Okay. okay. So I think the main point I wanted to get across was I wanted to – help people understand why we've become so divided as a, as a society because it's one of the things that everyone's really noticed, that we used to be sort of so much more tolerant and and there, was, there might have been, uh, I suppose, a left and a right of politics and let me be clear, this is not a left and right issue even though that's how it's being portrayed. But there was this middle ground and we mm. used to be able to debate and talk and rationally and uh, sometimes things would get heated but there was always a middle ground. I wanted to explain to people why we ended up in this too you know, very sort of hard camps. And what occurred to me was that it was all based in trauma psychology. And I think the really important thing for people to understand, depending on where your listeners are, certainly in Australia and most of the Western world, we live in this extremely unusual time in history where there hasn't been major threat on home soil, right? And, of course, September 11 happened and whatnot. But on the whole, for the most of us, Bad things are happening out there in other parts of the world, but we've been safe at home, mm. and that's really yeah. unusual. I mean, if you think about my, I mean, my English heritage, you just have war after war after war after war after plague after it was there was just always something going on. And so, what that meant is is that our psychology has changed; it's very different. And I think we're living, and I was living in it, absolutely this bubble of where this you know evolved Australia and wherever, and all that stuff was history. All that. Mm crazy stuff those wars and stuff it was history or they're in developing countries it never happened here and it gave us a real false sense of security and the way trauma psychology works I, I i sort of talk about wartime psychology and i talked to my mum about this a lot because she was born during world war ii in 1943 in bristol which was bombed actually wasn't born in bristol because everyone had to be moved yeah. out of bristol but the point was was that there was this meme and it was keep calm and carry on and yeah I I personally believe, we all know that one, right, that the British went way too far with it, but it makes sense historically because they'd had really, you know, war wars and world wars and it was just constant. Um, But they understood that if you have a, a threat, a major threat, that you need to be focused and calm in order to best deal with it. And so the way the trauma sort of psychology works is is if there's a threat and this is evolutionary psychology or you know we we don't have to go down that path it doesn't matter it works the same way but if there is a a threat an immediate threat to you and it could be a physical threat a lion like you've got there coming towards me or it could be a, a, a stress threat it could be I have to give a performance in front of an audience right something like that your body reacts in a in a very specific way and what happens is we have Well, there's three levels, actually, but I'll just talk about the main one. It's called, people know it as the fight-flight system, right? We've all heard about it. Mm -hmm. And what happens is is we have a part of the brain called the amygdala. All it wants to do is keep you alive. So it takes a ton of resources. It takes glucose and blood from the brain. It's in an instant. It's so Mm -hmm. fast because, you know, it's trying to get you out of cars careening down the road or tigers coming to you. And it takes a ton of energy and it sends it to your big motor muscles right your big arm and your big thigh muscles so that you can either fight mm-hmm. or you can run yeah. right? you can get out of there really really quickly and what it does is it does that at the expense of various other body systems that it doesn't deem relevant to keeping you alive so things like your digestion shuts down mm. right your um but your prefrontal cortex here the sort of the thinking part of the brain it's dimmed down it's much slower anyway but it's dimmed down and what that means is and people will have noticed they will have noticed they've had you know they're breathing more uh more shallow breathing that their hearts beating faster they might have had lots of tummy issues going on i mean certainly that's what happened to me the digestive system is very sensitive to stress and uh the the it's you're just not able to see the field so For example, if you are having a conversation with a friend, uh, a a, a nice friendly debate about something or other, but you hold very different points of view, you will hopefully usually listen and they'll put their side up and you'll put their side up and you might might get a bit heated. But if you're good friends, you'll hopefully have a nice, calm debate and you will listen to each other. That's not really possible at the moment. And so what's happened is you've ended up with this splintering. And this is where I believe the media has a lot to answer for, because they absolutely know that. And all of their headlines is very specifically put us in these two camps. It's taken away any area in the middle where we can discuss. It's taken away any scientific debate. You are either a smart, rational um, person, or you are a crazy anti-vaxxer. We've talked about this before. So... This is very much wartime psychology. And look, I'm not, I don't want to be disrespectful for the politicians, because as I've said, I'm not one of these people that's saying, oh, they're all doing this big conspiracy at all. I don't know what's behind it all. Um mm-hmm. I I that's other people's work. I'm here to to help the children. But we have seen, you know, things like Brad Hazard and what's her name, Kerry Chant, when they were put into some sort of tribunal themselves. Yes. And Brad Hazard got very activated. Um and, and a lot of people mocked him for that. But I actually felt real compassion for him because he was actually trying to stand up for Kerry Chan. And as he was saying, he said, we're up all night and you know, we're trying to do this and we're trying to do this. That is fight flight.
1: If it's a beat up on the government, well, okay, we're here, but beat it up somewhere else, because Dr Chan's really busy and I'm really busy. An hour and a half in the middle of a pandemic, it'll be the first time in history that in the middle of a war, a parliamentary committee's called an inquiry and in to ask us, well, how did you make your decisions?
0: Mm-hmm. What you just saw there was a man under extreme sp- under extreme pressure in fight, flight. And I'm going, I know from this people are going to write to me and say, oh, you're so naive, he's a listener. I don't know. I, I, I'm not pointing any fingers apart from pointing the fingers at censorship. Yeah. I don't know what part anyone has played in this, okay? But I just saw a man under great stress. And I saw, I've seen Gladys Berejiklian, you know, get really ticked off with, with a reporter. And, and it was again, it was fight, flight. I've seen Alan Jones in some of his things, where he's, I don't want to say ranting, because but but he's again, he's kind of getting really, really upset. And here's the thing, here's the really important thing. When people are in fight flight, the very worst thing you can do is if you want to get them to listen to you, is to yell at them or is to say it again and again, or is to mock them because you just send them further into fight flight. Mm. They can't hear you. So it's not that they don't agree with what you're saying. They literally, it's not that they won't, because people are saying, why won't they listen on both sides? Why they just, why? And I've been in that frustration. They can't, because this wise part of the brain that can reflect and can consider different opinions is not available to them. And people will say, well, what do you mean it's not available? I'm still a professor of, I don't know, whatever. It's like, yes, because they're automatic procedures. That's a different part of the brain. Mm. right you've developed that expertise and you have very strong neural structures around there right but anyone and I say this in the video anyone I don't care if you are emeritus professor in astrophysics I don't care if you're Stephen Hawkins you know rest his soul Mm -hmm. um everyone is vulnerable to this actually there's one group that's not and I might get a little bit contentious here but it's just true it's just neuroscience and you know there's huge amounts of research on this the people who are the least vulnerable to the amygdala are the long-term meditators that's what, or, or, or people who pray, any any people with those long, long-term contemplative practices, and they've done huge amounts of research. Check out Richie Davidson, yep.
2: um,
0: his work. They, that's what it does, right? That's why I actually think you know all children should learn to to meditate, and everyone should because it, it strengthens the connections between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. That's what it does. Mm. I mean, I, you know, everyone might have all the other esoteric things it does. As a as a neuroscience is you know interested person. That's what that's what it does. It, it strengthens the connections. It's like a break,
1: right? Yes.
0: Break between here and your amygdala, which is two little almond-shaped things right inside, right in the, the subcortical subcortical areas. So yes, you 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 can be the smartest person on the planet. Don't think you're not vulnerable and be careful with ego, because again, I talk about this in the video. For those who have science backgrounds or philosophy backgrounds, one of my favorite lectures at uni it was one of those, you know, you have those lectures and it was a light bulb moment um, in what I thought was going to be a really boring subject, philosophy of science. We learned about Thomas Kuhn
2: mm.
0: and his, do you, if you don't hear that, and paradigm change. Yeah. And it's really interesting. So his whole thing was that every time a new idea comes along in history, the incumbents, right, so the people, the the, the academia or the philosophers who are there holding a the position, they don't like it. They will fight and they will fight very often to the death. Was it Socrates or one of them who lost their life? You know, a few, because they don't like the status quo being changed. Again, there's a genetic difference in there, but the vast majority, 85%, 90% do not like to be told they're wrong, especially when they've dedicated their entire career to a field. Mm. So for those people who are at the very top of the tree and who are there kind of going, "Ah, oh, this is this crazy anti-vaxxer woman, they wouldn't be listening to me anymore anyway. Um, but they're the most vulnerable because... Ego is sort of a direct block as well. It's another direct block to expansive awareness, to being able to consider new information. And for me, I've I've always said, really, wisdom is about knowing your own fallibility. Right? As soon as you think you know everything, get out. Right? Check out your ego. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. Laugh at yourself. Yes. Laugh at yourself. Know your weak spots. Yeah.
1: And have you? Have you? what was the reaction that you received?
0: The the response has been extraordinary. I was really scared. I didn't know if the police were going to come and knock on the door. I was really frightened. I was very sick. I ended up in hospital. I think I've told you. Yeah. Um. And people said to me, be ready. You're going to get, what's the word? Ogre. Oh, trolled. Trolled? Trolled. Sorry, you're going to get trolled. Ogre. Oh, oh, a- I love
1: that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. So,
0: so I was, I was just ready. Well, I wasn't ready. I was like, oh, um, I have had the biggest outpouring of love and unbelievable. Mm. The, the, I didn't even know thousands now of people that have written and written long, beautiful emails from psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, barristers and lawyers. They were the funny ones going, oh, great idea about the mandatory point. Why didn't we think of that? classic. <laughs> but saying, oh, my God, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. And the, and the saddest part for the was hearing from so many of them that were already being taken through APRA. I've been going through disciplinary proceedings with ARPRA for 18, you know, for 12 months. Um, I've had two lawyers involved. They're saying I'm bringing discredit to our profession because I put one link up. And these poor people, and, and let me just say, our psychologists at the moment are under siege. They're all, tra- I don't want to say they're all traumatised, but can you imagine how hard it is? Some of them working 15-hour days, they've actually had to bring in, we had it from APS last week, I think, saying that they're now they're creating a new Medicare item for intern psychologists because the waiting lists are so long and so many psychologists are burning out because of community mental health that they're bringing a new Medicare code for intern psychologists, so they're not fully trained, to, to help wow. because the, the system is buckling under the stress, mm. right? These psychologists, please. And this was one of the heartbreaking things. I also, I mean, a lot of these emails made me cry, particularly the ones from students saying things like we were about to drop out because we were so disgusted that the psychologists didn't care. And it's, ah, oh, we cared. We, you know, we've been, it's just been impossible. Um, so thankfully what we've done now is we've created a group and yes. we're now, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of growing exponentially now around the world. We got really scuppered because we don't have the admin support. So if anyone wants to come and help, mm-hmm. um, we're not getting paid yet. You know, there's no. this is just all voluntary, but it's, gosh, it's the work of my heart, that's for sure. And mm. I'm not a money person, actually. Gosh, let me make, be clear of that. Um, but we're now, I think, up to 60, And but we've got so many that want to come in. We're sort of on these groups. We, we don't even have a website yet, but that's now happening. We're going to be hundreds and thousands within a week, I would say, of Amazing. really committed... Um, trauma psychologists, specialists, counsellors, social workers, students, retirees, everyone. And there's two parts to the sort of the work we're doing. One of them is just allowing a space for these poor psychologists, you know, and and, and healers, mental health professionals, to come together and say, oh, my God. Because can you imagine every person you're speaking to, you're speaking to people who are suicidal, you're speaking to children who, oh, it's just, I I, I won't go there. But it's, it's, everyone's lost hope. Yeah. It's been a nightmare. We've destroyed so many children's lives. And these poor people have been trying to hold them, a lot of them while homeschooling as well, um, a lot of them, you know, having their own massive crisis around this, like me, thinking they were going mad. How can I be the only one thinking this? So so, so, some of the work is bringing them together. Um, but the other huge part of the work is about having public information. Yeah. And so we're going to be have a lot more videos about trauma and explaining and, and helping and resources to help people be in the best um, mental health they can. Uh, we, we're still working it out. I can't yeah. give you the full thing, but 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 we should buy certainly by early next week because at the moment we're having to do it all manually by email. And you know, there's I've had many nights I haven't slept. I'm I'm mm. very, very tired. It's been really hard. So I'm yeah. just so delighted we're together. We've had people from around the world, honestly, that's that such outpouring of love. And and I now I now feel really positive. I know that might sound crazy to some people at the moment, but I actually think things are going to change. I don't know how. I'm just here trying to help the children. But I think that humanity and society is going to learn a great deal from this and that we're actually going to come out of it as much better and more compassionate people. I definitely, I
2: really
1: yeah. No, yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. And I've seen that um, through this through this entire thing. What I've noticed is that people have sort of stepped away. Uh, people have looked at their health. People have looked at their nutrition. People have looked around and found amazing new individuals. Like you've gone yeah, through okay. this, and now this entire project is blossoming from it. And it's and it's amazing to see. I know you've got uh, a meeting to go to I shortly. Do. Just I let do. us know where they can find you and for those that do want to help out the project where they can get in touch with you and yep
0: yes okay so bernie22 b-e-r-n-i-e 22 at protonmail p-r-o-t-o-n-m-a-i-l dot com and then the next one is manda m-a-n-d-a dot admin a d m i n dot one at again protonmail.com
1: ross nill cook will try and send some people your way and the work Thank that you're doing is amazing you. and please continue Thank to you. fight on and continue to do what you do
0: great to chat chat chat